1: Hello there and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode cornered. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me as always, the illustrious Joe Hogan. I should be
0: used to that illustrious by now, but I'm not. It you makes me feel good. How you doing, Mike?
1: Used to it. I'm 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 doing good. I'm doing good. We're gonna talk about some uh some bad batch cornered tonight. I'm excited oh, about okay. it. Okay. And I uh, could be coerced. And uh, Kyle Baca himself,
2: Kyle Avery. I'm back. He's back. Glad to be back with uh, the illustrious people here.
1: <laughs> uh, awesome. I uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's. Hey, here's we're gonna be focused this week, you guys. <laughs> yeah, sure. sure we are. <laughs> Sounds good. to <laughs> me. We'll see. We'll see. I. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's jump right into the news because uh, we got a couple of real interesting stories to talk about. Um. First on the docket, Rangers of the New Republic is reportedly no longer in development. Now, you we usually do not talk about rumors. Um, uh, we, we generally like to to make sure that we're we're only really talking about like officially announced stuff. But I felt that this was solid enough, um, and I and 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 you know, it just it kind of makes sense. I I. And it points to some of the stuff that we talked about on uh, Faster More Intense and that sort of thing back uh, back during The Mandalorian Season 2. So I just thought it, it was worth noting here, uh, especially with the Mando connections into this episode um, and sort of the the shared universe that we're seeing developed through Bad Batch, Mandalorian and all of these other shows um and it just it's it's very interesting to me that that they're gonna try and figure out seemingly how to remove this part of the story when what we heard back in when was that december uh when they did the 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 uh the shareholders event um that that all of these shows Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and Rangers of the New Republic would all sort of split off, tell their own stories, but the, all of the stories would be sort of driving back in towards a an event, uh, uh, like an event series or movie or something like that. They were kind of cagey about exactly what it was, but but it, that led us to believe that Rangers of the New Republic was important enough that... that uh, even without a certain someone that we don't need to name, because everybody knows who we're talking about, uh, I involved that you know, like we'll, we'll just work around it and and figure out something else. Um, uh, uh, here, here's something I'll just throw this out there, and and Lucasfilm, you have full permission to use this. I won't come after you. This is a binding document, uh, a, a legal contract. I uh, please just make a. TV show like just take whatever storyline you were going to do with Rangers of the New Republic and just put Aiden Versio and Shriv into that storyline and just do that instead Ooh. because because here's the thing we actually as fans all desperately want that <laughs> right and Janina Gavankar is right there she's right there and she will do it she will jump at it um so just do that and uh, and and while you're at it, cast Tia Sircar as uh, Sabine in the Ahsoka series. Just announce it for us already, and just uh, just let us know that that's what's happening. Uh, and I'd be more excited for
0: for Ranger, what are the Rangers of the New Republic? If yeah. that were the the case in the first place, like yeah, I would exactly. have been so much more hyped. Like, oh man, Idenverse, yes, please,
1: please. See, now I'm just disappointed. <laughs> it's so weird to me because it's like you, you for Battlefront Two, which like like as as rocky as the launch of Battlefront Two was, and all of the microtransaction EA nonsense that went on, nobody cared about that when it came to the story, right? Between the Inferno Squadron book and and the story of the game other other than luke skywalker stomping on bugs on some weird planet i i man we don't need to get into that <laughs> other than that moment in the story like everything else in in battlefront 2 in the story mode was fantastic and then the the follow-up that dlc with uh with zay um in the in the uh, resistance era like leading into the force awakens right um like I think that everybody is in agreement that that those are great Star Wars stories and uh, and and we love those characters, Aiden uh, uh, in particular. Uh, and look, hey, we have so many Imperial defector, Rebel Resistance heroes at this point in the uh, post Return of the Jedi. Uh, uh Disney era of Star Wars storytelling. It's like every second story uh, features someone who was once an imperial that has defected to either the rebellion or the resistance, right? Like it's just like that there's that uh, uh, alphabet squadron has that like it's just, like it's 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 ridiculous uh, how often they've gone back to the well with that specific storyline. Um, as a starting point, but, but for my money, the best character to do it is Aiden. And maybe that's because we got to play as the character, but, but to me, it's like, that's the logical place to go that like, like you, you cast a fantastic actress who has a track record. I mean, she was, she was on true blood. Like she, she was on arrow in the first season um
2: oh she was i don't even remember yeah that. yeah
1: she was she was the cop that that ollie dated uh sort of in the oh, in the yeah the, the the first half of the back end of, the, of season one um she's in a she's only in a handful of episodes but but uh yeah no yeah, now that you mention that,
2: that though i think i can picture her
1: yeah so like like the like she has nerd cred already she herself is a huge star wars video game nerd (laughs) all that stuff uh uh, D D everything right like like you couldn't ask for a better ambassador for the brand than than janina i don't understand why lucasfilm and disney are not capitalizing on that um it's very it's very weird to me but uh, but anyways, I I the, the what was previously Rangers of the New Republic sounds like it's not going to happen um, at least or at least it's not an active development, which means that maybe they're they're just they're just on hold with that until they can figure out a way to to solve it. Um, yeah. There might be contract stuff there. There might be. You never know whoever was signed on to write and or direct it might have decided to pull out because that character isn't going to be featured in it anymore. Um, You don't know what's going on behind the scenes and we don't, we don't know anything about it. We don't know who was going to direct it. We don't know who was writing it. As far as I know, Um, it's not like Acolyte where, where, you know, we know, or, or with, with Book of Boba Fett, we know it's like Robert Rodriguez is, is directing. Is he writing and directing or just, think he might be right i think well
2: i think he's just an executive producer along with feloni and favreau okay um Um, so i would assume maybe he'll direct some episodes but yeah like i think he's just part of that group
1: with a lot of them with a lot of the announcements we got the like oh like book of boba oh i mean that was obviously later on down the road but but when they did a like formally announce it it was like oh robert rodriguez is attached I i and with ahsoka we know that that's dave going off and like show running that one specifically and with acolyte it's um oh my god her name's like on the tip of my tongue anyways it's uh leslie headland yes thank you i i who did russian doll right um yeah so like like we have we have gotten like these tidbits of 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 that sort of stuff but rangers we never did um, and it always felt like, like Rangers was like, because they told us the least about that one. And I got the feeling at the time of like, a, they weren't sure about the future of this because that was right in the midst of them dealing with the situation. Um, which I, we haven't really talked about on rebel cells, but I, 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 on, uh, we talked about it a bit on faster, more intense. And it was very, it was very clear after uh, after the firing uh, or as some people will tell you the not rehiring um, that uh, that that Disney and Lucasfilm were looking for an excuse for a while <laughs> um, and then and then a line was crossed and they went cool 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 now we don't have to do this anymore um, I so like I, I I think that they were kind of in like a holding pattern for a while there, anyways. But maybe it's just kind of all falling apart at this point. Um, I mean, like, I, hey, we all just wanted, uh, 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 what's the character's name? Carson Tava, is that that's the the pilot, right? The uh, Paul Oh yeah, the Sun Hyung Lee's super, character, Republic pilot, yeah. yeah. I I yeah, like like just 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 put him in the story right like uh but whatever like i i have faith that whatever shifts are happening behind the scenes um that everything's going to be okay we'll be fine everything will be fine but i uh, i uh, but yeah that's the these are the reports thus far i don't know i don't know we'll we'll see any any thoughts on that guys
2: yeah i mean to me i really just wish they would recast the character and push forward with their mm. original plans and kind of just put all the the whole drama and everything behind them and continue on with what they had originally envisioned for it um obviously seems like that's probably not going to be the case or at least yeah. th- at least they're maybe I maybe they're just waiting till things kind of smooth over more but um i don't know i i i just hate when stuff like this like and you know we've had other characters that are you know actors that have had to drop out and and characters get recast and stuff and it's just especially when it sort of intertwines with the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and they're trying to build this big universe here. Like I just wanna see their, you know, story come to fruition, um, the way that like Dave and John and everybody are intending it. So I that's my sort of main concern is I'm just hoping that this doesn't sort of derail, you know, whatever big plans they had for the story. And even though Rangers of the New Republic was the one that we knew the least about, um and you know, I, I wasn't. It's not like there were any characters in there that I'm super invested in or anything. But like, I'm really interested to sort of explore more of like the New Republic and the building of the Resistance and the First Order, um, and kind of some of that stuff that we got some teases of in season two of The Mandalorian. Um, and obviously, it seems like they're planning. You know, season two established a lot of stuff that they're then planning to branch off into its own shows. And so mm-hmm. you got the Mandalorian stuff and the Boba Fett stuff and the Ahsoka stuff, and then this was going to be like the new republic and the empire and again heading towards the the new republic or the uh, the resistance and the first order and kind of planting some of those seeds for the conflicts of the sequel trilogy which I was really looking forward to even though we didn't really know much about the show like that potential was exciting to me so I hope we I I'm, I'm sure we'll still see pieces of that explored across the other shows but um, I hope they still maybe come back around to this at some point and we see this show in some form or another like you said there's plenty of other uh, new republic characters out there that they can make a show about whether it's uh Aiden and Triv or Harris and Dula or you know anybody else so um yeah hopefully we'll get to uh, come back around to that at some point Yeah, yeah.
1: I I mean I I'm, I'm hoping that we see Hera in the Ahsoka series but we'll see Yeah Joe, I say something yeah go ahead
0: yeah, I'm just kind of I mean, I was already sort of lukewarm about this show in the first place. Not because, you know, I don't think the characters are interesting. I just think everything else going on is kind of more interesting to me. Like a is way more yeah. interesting to me. Kenobi, uh, obviously bad batch. I'm crazy about like, I, I just like the rogue squadron movie. I just feel like everything else is almost fever pitch high for me, but this is just like, Oh, okay. You no, know, whatever. Um, I agree that there is some concern and I know we're just kind of speculating because who knows if any of this is true or not. Um, But I don't know. I guess I am a little bit worried about whatever threads that they might have been putting into the show that now might not pay off in those, you know, Mandalorian or Ahsoka or whatever, since everything is supposed to tie together. I mean, I know we're touching on it, but I don't know. I guess I'm really just concerned that now those other shows might have to scramble to give a little more context. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I, I guess it's just kind of a wait and see kind of deal,
1: you know? Yeah. I, I, I think they'll be able to make up the, the, the distance. <laughs> I, I, as it were, I, I, with in some way, with some sort of storytelling, mm. whether it's, I to me, this sounds like, like it, like they're reworking the idea. Um, and that's that's why I immediately go to that place of like, let's just tell the story with with some other characters that we're familiar yeah. with and that we oh, like. Oh man! Like now that you said it, like I w- yeah. wanted so bad. That's so much more interesting to me. Yeah, because to to have to have uh, Iden uh, intersect with a character like Dinjarin, mm-hmm. or uh, or even Ahsoka or Sabine. Right, like to, to have those characters cross paths, um, I sort of like the post battle of Jakku because we know we know Aiden's story up to the battle of Jakku, right, and then we know that she is alive in the lead up to the Force Awakens. Um, but like, there's a there's a lot of room in, in the middle there where where we don't really know much about her. Another character or uh, pair of characters that they could bring into this are Shara Bay and Kes Dameron, which would be really cool because oh, yeah. like like you want to talk about Rangers of the New Republic, like yeah, like let's let's get those characters in live action. Um, I, I mean, like there there are so many options. <laughs> there are so many characters that have been created and nothing has been done with them that are connected into the sequel era or, or like the post uh, return of the Jedi era. Um, So I don't know. There was something
0: very satisfying when, you know, I mean, it's been happening for the last 20 years, I guess where an an animated or EU character finally makes a live action debut. Like I guess Ayla Sakura was the first one, but like, You know, Ahsoka was obviously huge. Even Saw Gerrera. Like, nobody knew who Saw Gerrera was if you didn't watch Clone Wars. But it was like, oh my yeah. god, Saw Gerrera's a robot. It's crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so cool. The first Clone Wars character to actually be live-action. So, like, it would be nice if a video game character got that for once. Because the video games are always just kind of like, okay, good job, kid. Go over there and have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So that would be all... I, oh, man. Please, be, it's, it's just... It's so easy, right? Because it's like, you Mm -hmm. don't have to recast. You don't have to figure it out. It's like the Sabine thing with Tia Sirkar for me, where it's like, uh, I don't understand why this is such a difficult thing Mm. to arrive at. And there are so many people online who are like, oh, you know who should play Sabine? And then they say a white person. And you're like, that's not, nope. Or they go, oh, this person and it's like that person's actually african-american but that's all right um it's because you know a a, a colored person is a, a an interchangeable thing right it doesn't right. matter i i you know asian african-american whatever like like the these not white is all the same thing to some people which mm-hmm. drives me nuts i sabine is is very clearly meant to be asian influenced uh and i and th- this is when you cue all of the people in the twitter comments going like oh there are there's no asia in outer space oh my and god you're like, hey uh hey guess what uh you're dumb stop don't do that <laughs> um but yeah like 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 the the the, the ethnicity is implied <laughs> um in the way that they they the character is designed so um and there's there's room in there to move around right it's you know it's not it's not so specific but i but the thing is that like man i like tia has posted some stuff on her instagram in the last couple months where it's like please just put her in live action like just please put her in the suit as the character because like she will do it justice. I mean, like she is the character, but, but uh, we saw what happened with Ashley Eckstein and Ahsoka. So, mm. which I, know, like, I'm not going to
0: lie. I love Rosario Dawson. I am a little bit like, oh, she's the character though.
1: It's tough. It's a tough yeah. one. And there's also the, the controversial stuff around Rosario Dawson that, mm. that just adds to uh, the, the difficulty of, of that decision. Right. But, but yeah, like to me, it's like, there are a couple of these that are just such no brainers, yeah. right? Like it just, yeah, it's, it's like, for example, in the rise of Skywalker, we get Kanan's voice. And then people are like, how come there weren't force ghosts? How come we didn't see any of the force ghosts? And like, well, because some of those characters are from animation and they didn't want to show them in live action yet, or they didn't want to, like it's too, they didn't want to have to cast. It's like Freddie Prince jr. Can just be Kanan guys. Yeah. Like (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. Like, like, like if you did him up with the hair, and the and the the awful goatee uh, and all of that, right? Like I, I love Kanan; he's my second favorite Star Wars character. But the the season one and two goatee, it's not the the full beard in season three is much better. We don't talk about his final look; we just don't talk about it. <laughs> I I I just pre ordered the Gentle Giant minibus. And it comes with the. It comes with two heads. It comes with the one. Cool with with the beard and the and the J guy's mask, right? Like the 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 Zatoichi mask, so that he can uh, be a blind swordsman. I uh, and then it also comes with his like final his like bad haircut <laughs> and clean shaven look. And I'm like, uh, as
2: horrible. a collector, I as a collector, <laughs>
1: I will not throw it out. But as a as a just as a human being i want to just be like go i <laughs> still don't understand somewhere. there's no excuse for it i don't understand why they did why they made that
2: choice but that's okay
1: because
0: he's uh, blind that's what your hair would look like if you cut your own hair when you were
2: yeah it, it comes off as realistic i don't know why they <laughs> yeah. felt the need to do it though
1: um yeah, yeah, it's it it's right there along the lines of the of the Yoda design in Star Wars Rebels, which like <laughs> I understand I understand the logic. He's meant to look more like a, a combination of the concept art and Stuart Freeborn, who was the sculptor that created the look of yoda like like he sculpted yoda's face and modeled it very much after his own face um and so they were trying to like like pay tribute to to those things and what we ended up getting was just a very very ugly yoda Um, ugly rebels yoda
2: is still better than the wet dog wookies from the season premiere this (laughs) is true this is true (laughs)
1: Anyways, I uh, yeah, I just 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 give us just give us Aiden and give us Sabine and and stop st- stop denying us the things that we're asking for, Lucasfilm. Also, tell more stories with the sequel characters, please. Um, that's neither here nor there, but just do it. I but I guess I guess that's a that's a good enough way to lead into the second story, which is that the rise of Skywalker has gotten a. Um, I'm going to put quote fingers, very heavy quote fingers around this, a remaster on, uh, on, on Disney plus, I, they, they've updated the colors <laughs> a little bit. Hmm. Some people are making a bigger deal out of this than, than I think is warranted. And the, and that's kind of the reason why I wanted to bring it up. I don't think that they heard the complaints on Twitter. I don't think that's what it was. I literally think they that, that somewhere along the line something in a in a codec or something I mean anybody who does video editing knows knows what I'm talking about somebody somewhere outputted something with the wrong settings and somebody else like like just figured it out just like like just watched the movie and was like this is this is more blue than it should be mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole thing is more blue than it should be and somebody went back in and just like popped it out with the proper setting. So if you're if you're a DVD Blu-ray uh, buff, I, I, a collector, then you'll know that this is actually really common between DVD and Blu-ray releases. I I so like like when I say that I mean like a movie going like like a movie that was previously only available on DVD and getting a Blu-ray release and and oftentimes when that happens especially because TVs now have such like much more sophisticated color spaces and uh, like like you know like the technology just changes right so oftentimes like you can compare like VHS to DVD to blu-ray and you'll notice that they're like slightly different color spaces. And, and I honestly think that that's all that happened here is just that like, for whatever reason, um, one of the other things that was notable is that, is that the, the, some of the subtitles were altered. So to me, it's like, like there were obviously a couple of reasons to go back in and, and, and basically like re-export the project and, and, Uh, And somewhere along the lines, somebody flipped a different switch, used a different like like uh, rendering method or 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 set of uh, like presets or something like that, a different codec. And it came out and it's slightly less blue. Um, It's not that noticeable in the scenes that are incredibly blue already, like the ones on Exegol. Uh, or the ones where people are holding blue lightsabers next to their faces where it's justifiably very blue but um but like the pasana scenes and uh, i um all of like the star destroyer stuff like like all like sort of on the on, like like the interiors and stuff like that um it's it it is the color space is just a little bit more rich it's a little bit more vibrant but but i j- i don't think that this is like this shouldn't be controversial. I don't think that anybody was like, Oh my God, if we fix the blue, maybe they'll stop saying it's a bad movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that Disney cares to be perfectly honest. I think that they're worried about the future viability of those characters. I think that they're aware of that component of it, but I don't think that that on the top of their list is like, Hey, we should make this movie less blue because then, you know, the fans will be happy. I could be wrong. I'm willing to. I'm willing to, to leave room for that, but I don't think I am in this instance. I th- I think this is literally just like a technical i, I update upgrade, however you want to look at it. Somebody just did something different, um, and it's just like it to me. It's like I think to most people, it's probably imperceptible. Uh, in a lot of the scenes there's just there's a few moments where you're like oh yeah that is that is definitely a difference um and i haven't like watched it on my tv i just i just looked at it on my phone but mm. i i but but <laughs> as is the case w- in a lot of instances our our phones uh if you've got like a i like a, an iphone uh pro or or like one of the nicer samsungs or google's I. The color space on that is actually probably is probably better than your TV. Um, it's probably it's definitely better than your computer monitor, um, which I like. A lot of people watch these things on on those screens, so uh, yeah. I don't know. It's all like t- t- this stuff is all so nitpicky, um, but I just thought that it was funny that kind of over the weekend there was a there's a little bit of a kerfuffle on on Twitter about it that
2: that completely went over my head this is the first i've heard about it but i would have to imagine you're probably right that this was either a mistake that they're correcting or just a a very simple thing that somebody went in and tweaked and maybe you know changed the settings on a, a codec or an export or something like that because again if this is their attempt to be like oh you know people really didn't like this movie so let's go make it less blue like what good's that gonna do? So yeah. Um yeah, this is probably just a small technical thing.
1: Yeah, Ben Solo still dies at the end. I, I oh, and
2: Palpatine was, still comes sorry. back at the beginning.
1: Palpatine is still inexplicably bad. <laughs> <No. laughs> somehow he still returned. Some somehow Palpatine returned is what you put in the screenplay when you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to this. <laughs> We're gonna come back to this.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna circle and, back and, to this. And they forgot to circle back.
1: And I think what happened is that like on the day they were like, they were like, oh, oh, damn, we never, we never did that, did we? And, uh, and somebody like JJ just turned to uh, what's his face Hobbit and was just like, (laughs) just say something dark science, Sith secrets, something and then he just literally was just, like, dark, dark science Sith cloning
2: secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're, like, cool, secrets yeah. No. O- secrets only the Sith knew. Nobody else, including J.J. Abrams.
1: In- including the writer. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Guys,
0: we'll, we'll put it in Fortnite. It'll be fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All
0: the kids who watch this movie play Fortnite. It'll be okay. Bingo.
1: Bingo. I uh, Awesome. I uh, You know, I mean, like, hey, I... I I would say that Dave is working very hard to try and fill in some of these gaps for us yeah. and the story group. I I don't think that he's alone.
2: And I have to say, this is part of why I was interested in Rangers of the new Republic and at least the potential of it, because like season two of the Mandalorian, even when you just get that brief tease where, you know, this is like 20, 30 years before the sequels and there, you know, you're seeing like, mysterious figures in cloning tanks that look vaguely snoke-like and it's like oh if this is starting to plant seeds for things that could like lead up to the sequel trilogy instead of just making stuff feel completely out of left field it might actually make me enjoy some of that stuff more yeah um but yeah we'll see they got a ways to go
1: well and then they did i what's that? it's in the darth vader comic recently right where where there's the scene where vader's on exegol um And yeah, there's some stuff in that that is, I don't, we won't get into it, but it's a little (laughs) bit, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And it raises too many questions and doesn't answer anything. Uh, this, that Lucasfilm has a problem right now. And I don't know if it's Disney dictating it or Lucasfilm dictating it, but somewhere someone has said you cannot do anything definitive with the saga franchise characters Mm. Hmm. Luke Leia Han Anakin Obi-Wan Rey Ben Poe Finn any of these characters like they're all off limits um so the Mandalorian is just like we're just going to imply some stuff even having Luke show up at the end of the Mandalorian season two doesn't tell us anything. Yeah. Again, it only raises more questions than answers. Um, How dead and, is
0: Grogu by the end of, uh, yeah, by the beginning and, of the
1: force awakens and, and this stuff in the comics. I mean, like if you've read the, the rise of Kylo Ren comic, I uh, answered nothing. It, 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 All it does is muddle it and confuse it even more to the point where it's like, according to that comic, which like I don't consider comics canon for the most part. um, Like, but, but it tries to assert the idea, the retcon, the very, very heavy retcon that Kylo Ren isn't the one who destroyed the temple. It was Palpatine. Yeah. Right. Uh, A big lightning bolt comes out of the sky and that's what ignites the Jedi temple. Um, Yeah. And it's just like, to me, it, 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 which is more of it's, it's, it's about accomplishing two things. It's about connecting the Palpatine stuff into the force awakens. uh, And it's about trying to remove some of the culpability from Ben Solo. So that his redemption in rise of Skywalker is a little bit easier because rise of Skywalker doesn't earn Ben's redemption in my opinion. And and that's coming from someone who like, who wants nothing more than to see that character redeemed and, and alive at the end of that story. Right. But like, I just like somehow being stabbed by Ray as his mother dies makes him good again. Thank question you question mark it like it doesn't it's that a, it that whole
2: scene is baffling to me i'm like what is it what doesn't is mean going anything, on here right?
1: like like and like it like that's to me honestly it's it's one of the scenes with the like one of the least problematic issues with the movie for me but but it is still one of those things where it's like i get it like George was very um open with with his his sort of uh uh, mythic imagery and stuff like the whole the 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 cave on Dagobah can be interpreted like an infinite number of ways and i think that ryan johnson nailed that with the mirror cave on on octo right the same sort of thing of like it means something but what it means might be slightly different to everybody who views it right like depending on yeah. on where you're coming from and how you view the character of ray there's a, there's some sub- subjectivity in there but it does it does hold weight and it does mean something whereas this is like it's very clearly defined as what the outcome is but, like, the mechanics of how one leads to the other, there's no connection.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and, what I mean? It's just, and it's just the, weird you know, and empty. Rey's culminating epic lightsaber duel with Kylo Ren, Kylo's redemption, and Leia's death all occurring at the same time should yeah. not be something that's open to interpretation as to what happened.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's... Those it's, are some it's,
2: pretty big plot points that need to be weird. concrete.
1: But, you know, we don't need to dissect... Tross, again, a year guys, and a half later.
0: I don't know how Han Solo being back from the dead in Kylo Ren's imagination forgiving him is not clear enough for you. I don't get it, guys. Come on.
1: It's, look at, again... less could be less ambiguous. Than this something is a, this, with no explanation whatsoever. This is another one of those places, and Kyle, I know, I know you're right there with me. This is another one of those places where the answer was right there and it could have been super clear very effective and incredibly satisfying for star wars fans for long-term star wars fans right like people like particularly prequel fans Mm -hmm. and that's it should have been anakin and it should have it's so simple oh, because because oh, Anakin oh, finally mind. showing up oh, to Ben and oh, saying no. <laughs> your your mother sacrificed herself oh, I love it. to to break Palpatine's hold on you. I have been trying your entire life to protect you from this monster because of what he did to me and I wasn't able to. And I'm sorry, which is like, OK, like, give us some more juicy Anakin solo redemption there of like, like he's been like from, from beyond he's been trying to protect. And that's the, that's the conflict in Ben is that like, is it wasn't Ray that was pulling him towards the light all the time. Like she represented it physically, but it was actually Anakin the whole time. Like, like basically fighting Palpatine on like, like in the world between worlds, let's say, right. Like just to use some existing terminology, like the two of them just like battling, over the soul of Ben Solo, right? And for Anakin to just be like, be like, you're finally free from like from his hold. Don't make the mistake that I did. Go to Ray, help her end this for one like once and for all. If they had done that, I don't care that you brought back Palpatine and didn't explain it. Because then yeah. you would have at least given like then you would have had a reason to bring back Palpatine. Because then it also brings back Anakin in the story. And, and, and it gives us, instead we get, we get like, I do like what we got with Han and Ben. I, I do think that like, it is, it is, uh, an, like an effective moment between two characters. The technical explanation of it is baffling to me of like, is he a ghost? is he a memory is he is is the force just appearing to him in the form of han solo or like like like, it doesn't make any sense but but like the the conversation that they have i think
2: is very good like it's a it's
1: it's something that would work much better in a novel (laughs) than than in a movie yeah and,
2: and i'm the same way like that scene doesn't necessarily bother me even though it yeah doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface like in that particular instance that's one of those things i'm willing to look past and it's like because it's a more introspective character moment and thematically it works even if it doesn't necessarily necessarily logistically work um yeah that that one i'm okay with but i'm also with you that yeah, I mean I, I would have loved to see Anakin in that moment. I would have loved to see Anakin in, in any capacity. I mean, there's even yeah. there's a fan edit out on YouTube where it's just the final scene where it's Rey against Palpatine and when she's uh you know, when she like hears the voices of the Jedi and she stands up to fight him and she's got like the two lightsabers crossed, you see the force ghosts of Luke and Anakin and Yoda and Obi Wan behind her. And it's like it's very subtle, like it's not super over the top, and as far as fan edits go, it's really well done like it's it's pretty much seamless like it doesn't look janky yeah. or, or like a, a college student made it or anything like that and i'm like just that alone would have improved my you know my enjoyment of the movie significantly i think yeah. i still go back and watch that I, probably you know, more often than i watch the movie itself but
1: you know after after claymation luke skywalker at the end of uh, uh mando season two um, there's really no excuse to not have the Force Ghosts, yeah. in, in Rise of Skywalker because it's like you can't make the argument to me of like, well, it wouldn't have looked right. Some of these animated characters don't look right in live action. It's like, first of all, Ahsoka is in Mandalorian; it looks fantastic. So, so you everybody who said that after Rise of Sk- Skywalker was wrong. I knew that then, but it's like now it's just confirmed. It's like she looks fantastic in the show. Like, they, like <laughs> she's based like it's Star Wars. They know how to make the aliens look like aliens. Like it's not a big deal, but, but yeah, like, like if, if, if the effects that we got for Luke at the end of Mandalorian are a bar that we're willing to set, then, then having all of those characters that spoke appear as force ghosts as like shimmering blue ghosts. I don't think like it would not have been a big deal. It really wouldn't. And, and the fact that again, it's right there in front of you and they just like, man, yeah, like it's, it's a, it it's absolutely just a result of them not having known what they were, what story they were telling yeah. until they were editing it. And then it was like, it's too late. We don't have time to render a bunch of force ghosts. So it's just going to have to be voiceovers is, is, I the pre people go like, oh, they should do like special editions of the prequels or whatever. And it's like, I, I disagree with that. I think that the prequels are fine. I don't really think that there's much that you could do with what you've got there to to sort of alleviate the issues that those movies have. Um, it is what it is, and and I'm fine with it. Um, but I do think that Rise of Skywalker is one where like, hey, um, can you just give them like another year to go back in and, and just add in a few more things? Like, can can we just can we add like some hero shots of some of the ships in the battle of over Exegol so that it's not just gray chunks of plastic f- flying mm-hmm. and then getting zapped by lightning? Like, can we can we actually see uh, Hera in the cockpit of the ghost? Yeah.
2: Can but see yeah, that's another. Situation can you where- show
1: us? the aces from star Wars resistance for like, like actually show us their ships. Don't just include them, but like actually like have them there. You know? Yeah. I, but again,
2: see with, with, cause I was really hoping when I saw rise of Skywalker for the first time, I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but like, it would be really cool if we did see a shot of Hera in the cockpit, like flying the ghost and everything. Yeah. But then it's like, no, cause JJ J. Abrams didn't decide to put that in. Like the people at Lucasfilm and ILM decided to put the ghost in after the fact, after they were done yeah. with principal photography and stuff. So
1: anyways, we could, we, yeah, the, we really shouldn't exhume this corpse. <laughs> as often as we do but uh, I I, because we, we got we got an episode of Bad Batch to talk about so let's man, thank that, goodness remember for that, that time
0: we were
2: going to stay hyper focused on the <laughs> on, on, on matters at hand
1: it is so there, there, you can't, there you are you can't
2: say you can't say you're going to stay hyper focused and then get me and Mike started on troughs. <laughs> that's the problem uh, oh yeah let, let's get into the episode oh.
1: what else you got give me more
0: Hyperdrives online! Crosshair, take the towers. How many
1: are there? Five of them.
0: That's Clone Force 99.
1: This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, Tech, and Crosshair.
2: My name's Omega.
0: The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past.
1: Now. It's time for the rebel cells. Good soldiers follow Walters. Episode recap. Okay, here we go. The Bad Batch cornered directed by Brad Rao and Saul Ruiz. So, here's the thing. Brad Rao is is uh direct, he's a director on every episode because he's the supervising director. So, uh, IMDb hasn't been super clear about that in 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 the past, but this week they, they have him there as supervising director. So that's, uh, the, that's the reason why he's been on everyone. So really like this episode specifically is directed by Saul Ruiz, but, uh, but Brad Rao is also credited. Uh, and then it is written by Christian Taylor. Uh, I'll just jump right in here. Uh, low on fuel and supplies and on a wanted list, the bad batch decide to stop at Pantora. Wrecker and tech pay the docking bay proprietor to bypass scanning their ship. But as soon as the clones leave, he reports them to a bounty hunter, though he does not speak her name. The contact is Fennec Shand, an especially skilled gun for hire. Um, so the one piece that this leaves out is that like, we, we we got to uh, mask the, the signature of the ship basically. So it's like, they got they got to land so that they can file off the serial number is essentially oh, yeah. what we got to do um and and you know tech is basically saying like he can he can rig the the ship's signature so that they can scramble it so which is the same tech that i uh, i the ghost uses right so the, the it's it's actually this is actually a call a call forward to star Wars rebels in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, and, and, and other ships have been able to do this in star Wars as well. Like, it's not like this is unique to the ghost or, or, or to the Marauder. So uh, I, right. It's the Marauder. That's the name of their ship. Isn't it? I'm pretty sure.
2: With the bad batches ship.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Have they named it?
2: I think that's what it's called.
1: Um, I feel like
2: they just keep referring to it as a like a modified.
1: They've never named it in the show. Like like no one's ever said it in the show. Yeah, Marauder. Here it is in the database. Oh, okay. On StarWars.com, uh, a modified Omicron class attack shuttle. The Marauder serves as the Bad Batch's personal transport and gunship. Um. Yeah. I. But yeah, I mean, like a, a pretty simple setup. I I really just kind of continuing from from the last couple of weeks of, you know, like their, their uh, uh, signature is on the list because it was impounded uh, uh, on Saleucami and, and, uh, and they're, they're just known. Right. I uh, honestly, I mean, like to me, it's like, you guys gotta, you guys gotta ditch the ship. You guys, you guys need a different <laughs> ship, but I, uh, I, that's fine. Well, they, it, it's Star Wars. You can't, you can't just let go of the signature sh- ship unless it's the twilight, in which case I, uh, we're going to make a really big deal about it in the clone wars movie. And then I use it like two more times and then wait three years and then have <laughs> one episode where we go. Yeah. Anakin's been working on fixing it up and then blow it up. <laughs> I, <Whoops>. I, <laughs> yeah. Oopsies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the Marauder is is. I th- it, there's a Lego set. It's here to stay. Uh,
2: you want to continue? Uh, I don't know. I bought but, the go, I bought the ahead. Lego Razor Crest, and then they blew that up. So, <laughs> yep.
1: I that's had fair. the
2: same thought, Kyle. I was like, eh, that's the Lego, fair. set's not really a
1: guarantee. <laughs> that's fair. They did do that, didn't they? I uh, I yeah. It's, they just gave the Lego set two modes. That's all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I was
0: kind of curious why this, like, tracker thing wasn't already gone. Like, Mm -hmm. considering they were always doing covert missions and everything, like, I don't know. I just was like, really, these guys have a tracker on their on their ship? I mean, maybe it's I don't know. I, I just remember thinking, huh, that's weird that that's there and that they wouldn't have taken this off sooner
2: well, i I would have to go back and watch the episode again because I don't remember if they said anything specifically about it, but it could mm. be like a republic transponder so that mm. like other you know, the Republic military or Republic planets could like recognize them as friendly. and obviously now that's the Empire and it's the people they're trying to stay away from
1: yeah, I, I mean that's basically the gist of it, right? it's a it's yeah. a it's a it's a signal to identify the ship, mm-hmm. right like that's the whole point of it and and the idea is that is that tech is going to is going to rewire the thing so that he can scramble it to a different code every time mm-hmm. they come to a new sure. planet so that so that they can't be be traced it's it it, it it's like having a, a a burner phone or something like that right mm-hmm. like is the same idea so no, i, I, I get
0: think... it. I'm just saying i feel like i'm just surprised when this... they have already done yeah, it yeah like the the just by the nature of the missions, these guys are constantly going on. I'm just surprised this wasn't already a thing. I mean, it's fine. It makes sense that they would do it, but
1: yeah, because, because then what would they, why, what would be the other reason for them? Right. To stop exactly. this episode?
0: <laughs> like, okay, we need yeah. something for the story. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, it made sense to me. Uh, Joe, you want to keep going? Sure. Uh,
0: Wrecker and tech handle repairs on the ship while Hunter Omega and a masked echo go on a supply run. In the streets, citizens cheer stormtroopers as they pass, celebrating the end of the war. Hunter is eager to get what they need and leave. This felt like a very Rebels moment, too. Kind of like, what was uh-huh. it, the second episode where, you know, they had the, ah, uh, um, oh, what is it called? Can't think of The chain code? The chain code, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the same recording was there. Uh, Empire Day with the parades and everything. And I was just like, wow, I'm getting Rebels flashbacks right now. I don't know about you guys, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and know. I mean, it was cool to see the planet Pantora again, too, um, which I think we did see in like season three of the Clone Wars. But this yeah. specifically reminded me of because I know, I think, wasn't the Ventress episodes like the ones that eventually turned into the Dark Disciple novel? I think that was supposed to be set on Pantora, wasn't it? um that sounds familiar at least part of it where she has to go sneak into some party with quin quinlan Voss or something like that so i think they probably Mm. repurpose some assets from from that um and it's interesting because I don't know where this originally was from, but I saw like some Star Wars pages on on Twitter and Facebook and stuff today sharing this quote from Dave Filoni where he basically was saying that, you know, the Bad Batch is kind of was a direct response to all the fans that were like save the Clone Wars and saying that they wanted more of the Clone Wars. And he was talking about like all the content that they had created for that. And I thought it was interesting seeing that right after they, after we had seen this episode and I was thinking, um you know obviously they didn't go back and like finish all the old clone wars episodes we just got that final season but then um you know in addition to like telling this new original story with the bad batch and omega and everything this may have also just been you know kind of an excuse to reuse some of those assets that they created for like um later seasons of the clone wars that never came to fruition and could kind of use some of that stuff here so um yeah it was cool to see that kind of brought back
1: yeah, I, 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 I think this. So this is kind of what ties into to what I was saying about the Rangers of the New Republic stuff, about like like Bad Batch, um, and and season seven of the Clone Wars, uh, all being connected in the in this shared universe. Like to me, it's becoming very obvious the reason why we got, I, uh, I, the 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 three stories that we did are. Uh, so we got we got the Bad Batch episodes, obviously, to set up Bad Batch, right? Which was already in production by the time that we saw the Bad Batch episodes. So it wasn't a response to people liking them. That storyline was brought back and, and finished for Clone Wars Season 7 so that it could lead into this show. Uh, and then the Ahsoka storyline was done... Because, like, mark my words, one or both of the Martez sisters will be will be in the Ahsoka series. I, uh, hmm. I'm, I'm pretty confident on that one. Uh, and then we got the last one because it is the end of that story, right? It's the end of the Clone Wars. It's, it's the way that the series was always meant to end. It was with the Siege of Lothal. It ties into Bo-Katan and, and, uh, and the Mandalorian. Um, And obviously, like, places us with Ahsoka at at the end of the Clone Wars to know where she's at, to establish the relationship between those two characters as something deeper than what it was before. Um, So that when, when they both show up in season two of The Mandalorian, it's all it all makes sense. It's all connected. Right. So like not, there were no coincidences in any of those three storylines. And the only one that we haven't seen the connections yet is the, is the, the, uh, the Martez sisters story, uh, the, the, the middle arc of, of season seven. but, but again, like I said, mark my words, we're going to see them again. <laughs> we're going to see them again. I, so yeah like it to me like that and fennec shan being in this episode fennec shan being like them it's so there in the concept art you can see the date that they were basically doing the design for fennec for bad batch and it's not that far off from the dates that they were creating fennec for the mandalorian season one so which like again like going back to season one of mando and it's 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 recorded. It's in a podcast. I said back then, like, there's no way you don't cast Ming Na Wen and then have her in the episode for all of five minutes and kill her. You don't do that, right? Like, like she's not dead. She'll be back. Um, otherwise, why would we have the whoever showing up at the end that turned out to be Boba Fett? Right? Like it it it, it all it, okay, it all made sense in the end. The fact that like they knew at that time that they were doing bad batch and they were going to connect this character. It's not even an origin, right? It's just like, it's just an older story with Fennec Shand uh, connecting that in like, like, so that, you know, we're getting these things close together. Fennec being a character that's going to be in all of these different things. Like that's going to be a character ongoing in this story. Um, Cause again, they knew Fennec was going to be around they knew that that was Boba Fett. Like, it's not like they put boots there and then we're like, well, I guess we'll find out who that is. We'll figure out, We'll figure out who <laughs> saved Fennec later. No, they knew that that was Boba because they knew that they were going to bring him back in season two. Like they knew that that's the, the, the long arc of the story. They probably even knew at the time that book of Boba Fett was going to be a thing. Right. So it's like, we're setting up all of this stuff and it's going to be really interesting to see not to jump too far ahead in the episode, meaning all the way to the end of it. Like, th- this is not a one off situation, which I think a lot of us going into this thought Fennec was gonna be here and then gone. Like is oh cool, Fennec showed up, right? Um Fennec is going to be a persistent thorn in their side. Like that's they've set that up. They they uh in fact what I thought the role of of Crosshair was gonna be is it looks like it's gonna be I uh, uh, left to Fennec more so, um, but we'll talk more about that as we get we get further into the episode. But but yeah, I just it 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 just cements for me that like everything that they're doing on, on TV, the animation as well, the, and this is why Resistance was canceled. This is why they cut Resistance short. Not to mention the fact that it had no audience. That's not to say that there weren't people that loved it, but that it was a lot smaller numbers. Than rebels, which had a lot smaller numbers than Clone Wars, so like, it's everything makes sense when you just go back to it. Always goes back to to where the money is coming from, right? I mm-hmm. uh, we're getting Bad Batch because people love the Clone Wars. There was the campaign to save the Clone Wars, so it's in part like, oh, let's let's give the fans what they're asking for, which is nice. More than that, though, it's this is a proven known successful quantity. Let's get that production pipeline ramped back up. At which point I'm sure Dave said, if we're doing that, we need to introduce the bad batch the way that they were meant to during the clone wars. Cause we can't do it. Otherwise we need to set this up for the Ahsoka series and we need to finish the clone wars with the siege of Mandalore. And, and it was like, okay, you can have those things as long as, and that's why we didn't get a full season seven. It was just like, what are the what are the bare bones things that you need to do in order to set these characters up for the stories that you're going to tell moving forward? And now everything is connected, which just like it just makes me wonder with Omega and the cloning stuff, what is it connected into Um it really makes me worried that everybody's like all of those people who are, who are speculating that the, the hairstyle and the posture in that one poster being very similar to Palpatine. I, I, I'm worried that that's actually, that that might actually have some merit to it. No, I don't want it. to. No, I don't want it to, but I'm worried that it might, but I, but, but Mm -hmm. I do think like, we're going to get all sorts of storylines that are going to, set up everything else and i and i think that rebels will also be like very heavily tied into things as well and that they might use bad batch to sort of retroactively um i uh, connect some of the dots between rebels and and other stories um not like i mean rebels is already going to be intrinsically connected to the ahsoka stuff because of thrawn and ezra but but just like like kind of all of it trying to connect back to Tross, <laughs> which I, which I, again, I worry that 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 we're going to keep getting these things peppered in because they're just trying to, what you said, Kyle, like they're trying to just make sense of Palpatine returning. So like, we need to just toss these stories. In, like we just need to pepper in little pieces of Palpatine was, this was always his plan, right? um but uh yeah it's a, a lot of retcon work but hopefully it doesn't detract too much from the actual story yeah uh, kyle you you want to you want to take this next paragraph
2: uh yeah uh let's see hunter tries to sell some gear to a vendor the store owner isn't interested but soon mistakes echo for a droid and makes an offer though echo initially scoffs at the idea hunter convinces him to go along with it they'll get the credits and when the time is right echo will simply leave the shop this is a, a cool idea like i i like that outfit fantastic that echo had. story yeah i, I like that outfit that he had with the the mask on and when he yeah. first put that down i was like that's very like droid looking like very kind of you know cybernetic like faceless um and i like that you know they then used that and i mean it, you know what's interesting because i as of right now i'm kind of having a hard time differentiating between like echo and tech as far as like what their role is on the team because they're both very good at, like, you know, the tech stuff and hacking and slicing, and Echo's got his little techie arm and everything. But Echo's basically, like, the droid of the squad without being a droid. But it was fun that for this story, like, he actually had to be a droid. Um, So that was fun to see. And I like when Hunter had to, like, convince him to go along with it, and he's like, okay, fine, but make him give you more money, because I'm worth more than that.
1: Yeah. And then later on when he's like, you got me for a deal? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah, I love this. I I love... I do. I actually really like that Echo and tech need to have some distance put between them, but that it's not there yet because it gives Echo an arc. Right. And I, I think, Joe, I think you and I talked about this a little bit last week. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, like I, I like that they are playing with that and that Echo being the newest member of the Bad Batch. Uh, I, I, well, I guess Omega is the newest member, but, but uh, prior to that, right. That like, he's still, he is still trying to find his niche within the team and, and going back to, to cut and run, like, like him trying to deal with the docking clamp and not being able to do it Um because it was very clearly a tech job. Tech could have done that tech could have sliced that thing and, and, five seconds right and then obviously record just rips the thing in half in order to get them out of there but echo is still trying to figure out like what am i to this team where do i fit in and like how am i useful and i like that they're using it for these moments of of like tension and and uh and and in this episode uh, also, to add just a little bit of of humor into the episode, because because I think otherwise the episode's actually not that funny. Like, there's not there's not a lot of other moments of humor. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward sort of action and and some suspense stuff. But uh, but the whole Echo being a droid in his face mask and everything like that is very it's it's very much played for for comedic effect. Um, and then and then brings in the other droids. I just wish that Clink had gone with them. I just
0: Clink <laughs> is just, my new. Is that the, droid, the little the little like Astromech with legs and arms? Yeah, yeah. That oh, does that man, like I like, like spins
1: the little the things and is oh, like yeah, let's go. Love him. I
0: I, I yeah. will buy every piece of Clink merch that comes out. I don't care.
1: Yeah. So Clink that that design actually comes from Star Wars Resistance, and I I I actually mentioned this on Twitter, and I think it's worth mentioning here as well. The, the thing that I love, cause I give star Wars resistance a lot of flack. It didn't work for me. It wasn't like, I know that a lot of people loved it, but it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't the kind of star Wars that I, that I'm looking for, which is fine. Not everything has to be for everybody. I, I hope that that everyone knows that and is okay with it. You can, you can be a star Wars fan and not like every single piece of content. It's not a big deal. Um, but the thing that I have always admired about the, the design and like the concept work and, and the execution from resistance was how often they adhered to the aesthetic of star Wars being like practical effects, even though it's a CG show, right. Even though it's, it's animated, right. It's like rebels was all about the like, Hey, let's use this unused Macquarie art for everything. So everything always went back to like, Hey, let's use this unused Macquarie say it had like that very, like, like painted Macquarie feel to it. And then resistance, because it was like in this anime mode, like it was doing something different. And one of the ways that they grounded it in star Wars was to make sure that everything looked like it was a practical star Wars creature or effect. Right, um, not everything. The 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 uh, uh, Kowakian uh, ape lizards definitely didn't look like they were practical effects, but uh, but like Flicks was very much like a return of. I, it was based off of a Return of the Jedi concept art that wasn't used, um, but like like maintaining the like stilt legs and the way that Flicks. Uh, moved was very much like he was being puppeteered and not like he was just an animated character that could do anything and that droid was designed with the idea that a person would fit inside that suit that like you could stuff a child or Mm -hmm. a little person into that suit and and they could perform that character and he's animated in a way that it looks very much like there's someone in it that's like stuck in that like like uh, uh, starfish pose and has to just kind of like waddle their legs right in order to move. As opposed to like, because you could just make that character move fluidly, like if you wanted to, right? It's animation; you can do whatever you want. But but the fact that the way that he's animated is is in such a way that he looks like it looks like Kenny Baker is in a suit, right? Like it, it looks like it yeah. could be Warwick Davis, right? Like. And to me, like that's just like that's part of the charm of Star Wars. It's one of the things that I think the sequels nailed um, more than anything else. Especially the Force Awakens did it so well uh, with all the practical effects and stuff on Jakku uh, and Takodana, right? Like, like they they really nailed that stuff, and 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 I think that 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 carries forward into this and then the coloring of the character of uh, like the the stylizing it into the clone wars look i think they just nailed it It he he just looks so good and then he just gives a really great little performance uh, just like being gung-ho and ready to repair the ship and just bust past the protocol droid and it's like no i'm doing it Hmm. um yeah they're just lovable characters we're way ahead of ourselves because that's we're we're not there (laughs) but that's okay uh, it's my turn. It's my turn. I'll go. Uh, yep. Omega plays with a small clone trooper toy in the shop. A playful Vorpak grabs it from her hands, however, and she gives chase. When Hunter turns to leave, he finds no sign of Omega. Omega runs through the streets, looking for the critter before bumping into a pedestrian and falling over. Only one person stops to help the bounty hunter. Uh, so the Vorpak, here's another example of a, of a resistance design. Uh, getting brought back into the Clone Wars. And also, like, I I was never a big fan of Buggles' design. I didn't, they kind of, I don't know, there's just something off about it in Resistance that didn't work for me. But I actually think it looks really good in the Clone Wars. It's funny that, like, just the different textures can can completely change the way that that character, like, that that, that creature looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it actually really worked for me in this episode,
2: but... Yeah, uh, I would agree. I mean, I I probably thought that it looked better in this version than in uh Resistance 2.
1: But uh this 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 scene is interesting cuz I feel like like and and um they talked about it a bit on on uh What the Force uh, on their recap episode as well. I Omega I I think that this is a conscious choice. She she's written as younger than she is. Um I, and, and I think that there's a point to to make there of of like, you know, she's she grew up on Camino. She's never seen the world. She's very innocent. She's very uh-huh. she's even more childlike than she should be, because she is more of like a sort of like a tween. Uh, but but emotionally, she's she's younger, more like an eight year old. Um, and so the, like this, this whole moment of the like kind of going off on her own. Um, and then it, and then it quickly becoming a problem is 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 an issue for a child younger than her age. but uh, but I still think it works. I, I I think that it's intentional and meant to be a part of her character right, right now and we'll see over the course of the season, I think we'll see her mature a lot. but uh, Joe and any any thoughts? I mean, she is what?
0: four <laughs> like because <laughs> she in, seems like she's eight but really was born not that long ago i guess or yeah
1: or was no well was i know no, i think she i think she's meant to be older i think she's meant to be like 10 or 11 or something like okay. that but so then she's five yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, although yeah, yeah, i don't know th- that was that was one f- sort of um question that i had as far as you know the mystery around like what's going on with omega and why do the kaminoans want her and what is it that sort of makes her special or, or unique in one of these um sort of enhanced clones so i was wondering if maybe she really is the same age as all the rest of them and maybe she also like boba fett like doesn't age twice as fast
1: oh cool that's that is something that i've thought and especially because again to 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 bring up the connections into the Mandalorian and and future stuff. i mean like and, and i've said this like i i could foresee them carrying this character forward and her being a part of the new Mandalore. um hmm. and, and like i will not be surprised if omega shows up in season 3 of mandalorian it's the is the short way of saying that like like i i think that's a very much on the table it's a possibility um i would love to see it i i but uh yeah i And that would be facilitated by her not being uh, her, her, her growth, not being accelerated. The, the other part of that is um, all they have to do to explain some of this stuff is say that like, like the clones, like their, their growth is accelerated to get them to maturity. But then once they hit maturity, they slow down and they eventually hit a regular aging process like in their 50s or 60s or something like that right which would explain also explain rex being in return of the
2: jedi like which they yeah but they will have to do so well i guess but like rex in the at the age that we see him at in rebels like definitely like if he wasn't aging twice as fast he'd be like in his 30s by that point um
1: uh, yeah. I guess, well, no, no. Yeah. So, so,
2: so if he's like in his twenties in clone wars and rebels, he would have been like 40 something if he wasn't aging twice as fast, but he's definitely like 60.
1: He's, he's aging faster than normal, but, but also not necessarily like double speed. Right. Like, True. like, yeah. like I think that there's wiggle room in there just because he's, there could be shaves his head and has, has a white beard. Doesn't mean that he's 80 years old. Right. Like, like, uh, which I think we immediately go to, like the the Santa Claus sort of aspect of it, um, but a- anyways, like it's I, there's wiggle room there. They can they can, it's I, I, I again. I will remind everybody, made up and in space. Um, what? Yeah, this is real to can, me. Damn it, it. <laughs> it's all pretenses.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> so yeah, they can say whatever they want to say, uh, and then we just have to go. oh, Okay, okay, uh, <laughs> and and hopefully it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't, uh, and we still have to go. Oh, okay, because we're not the ones who get to write the stories. <laughs> um, just and just, you know, like the sooner you come to terms with that fact, I think the happier Star Wars fan you'll be. I, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not saying that specifically to anyone. I'm just saying, like, to the world, like it's it's much easier being a Star Wars fan when you realize that you have absolutely no control over the stories that get told. Uh, uh, and if you want control, just go write some fanfic. That's fine. It's just as valid, as long as they're good stories. I, I, Joe, you, you want to keep going here? Sure.
0: In the back of the shop, Echo quickly reveals his face to the droids. Meanwhile, Omega and Fennec walk together until Hunt- Hunter catches up and stops them. Fennec slowly puts her helmet back on and opens fire. Hunter yells for Omega to run before the bounty hunter swiftly ends their fight fight with a knockout blow. When Hunter comes to... He contacts the rest of the team for help echo listening in takes the shop's droids to complete repairs on the marauder now i have another little thing that annoyed me just like the uh just like the the ship thing in this scene Mm -hmm. so omega i mean i guess you could argue that omega wasn't really part of this plan but omega is kind of like oh but we didn't you didn't pay for that fruit they just stole 3,000 credits for Echo pretending to be a droid that he's just going to get up and walk away. Yeah. That was fine, but stealing fruit to eat is is wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I, you're right, though. Like, Omega wasn't in on the whole droid plan, though. Like, that was just Hunter and, and uh, right. Echo, and Omega was off playing or doing whatever she was doing.
0: But that's my point, is we talked on, you know, she, I know it's briefly, it was like a throwaway line almost, but like... I don't know, talking about the ethics of that and then ignoring the fact that these two characters are basically stealing 3000 credits from this guy who was running a legitimate business. He wasn't shady. He wasn't a jerk. Um, so I don't know. That bugged me. It bugged me that they raised it over there, but yeah. not over here because yeah. these are our I,
1: heroes. I, I I think what we're getting at <laughs> in, in this episode uh, thematically is that there are some gray areas mm-hmm. at work here. And uh, yeah, like there's a it's going to be difficult for Omega to learn right from wrong Mm. with this specific group of people and the situation (laughs) that they're in. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think here's my thing. In a vacuum, it's kind of weird in the way that you that you've expressed it. If this is all that ever happens and it never comes up again. If mm-hmm. as the series goes on, Omega starts to uh, develop some skewed morals, mm-hmm. um, and lives a little bit too much in the gray area, and and that becomes a source of conflict between her and Hunter. Um, who knows when he's breaking the rules, mm-hmm. right? Like like because I think like that's the thing is that like Hunter is a is a heroic character, but he is also a renegade character right right so like like he he's gonna break the rules but but hunter knows when he's doing it it's for the right reasons like he like he's he can justify it to himself where it's like it's like yeah like we need we need these credits like Mm. we we can't survive without them we need to we need to keep moving we need supplies and we don't have the luxury of being morally righteous at the moment, but, but Omega is in a position to not really understand that yet. Cause mm-hmm. she, and she's very impressionable and the type of characters that we're going to come into contact with are going to be less than reputable in a lot of instances. And so it'll be really interesting to see that stuff start to rub off on her. It'll also be really interesting to see them play with that in contrast to like, like, a nurture versus nature sort of arguments of like how much of Django's DNA determines behavior for these characters? Huh. Right? Is it anything? Is it nothing? <laughs> right? Like because because Django was clearly a character who was okay operating within the the the, the gray area in society right he didn't see himself as a good guy or a bad guy he's just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe right and like how much of that is in the clones how much of that is in omega um how much of that is in boba right so uh, yeah, uh, I yeah i i i if if this is a setup for future storytelling i'm okay with it if if this never gets addressed in the future i agree with you joe
0: all right cool i mean i know i'm being real nitpicky and and anal about it but i don't know yeah. it it came up in my head and i was like this bothers me i don't know why but yeah i mean i hope they do address it that would uh that would actually be pretty awesome i think that'd lead to some uh
1: meaty juicy storytelling i mean like so far so far so good right like i, I yeah, don't really sure. think that anything in the show in these in the in the four episodes that we've gotten has indicated that that these stories are just surface, right? Like like everything every episode so far has had like a thematic core to it. And every episode so far has been moving the characters along on a trajectory. So it's like, you know, like I, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt right now that that we made a point of that with Fennec for a reason. Um, cause it kind of firmly places Omega right now as like, she knows what stealing is, <laughs> right? Like she's, she's sheltered and she's lived this weird life on Camino where everything was provided for her, but she still knows what it is to take something that doesn't belong to you. So, you know, like, like we have, a uh, at least one main point on like sort of her moral compass that we can steer by. So we, so that we can start to see. Uh, either her become more morally righteous or less morally righteous, right? Um, we can watch her make Paragon or uh, Renegade decisions.
2: <laughs> reference. A reference. Don't uh, get me started <laughs> down that tangent, Mike. We'll be here all
1: night. No, we don't have time. There's no time. Uh, go, go ahead with the next one, Kyle. Uh,
2: Omega makes her way down into the city's maintenance tunnels, quickly followed by Fennec. But Omega runs into someone else, Wrecker. Unfortunately, the hulking soldier doesn't last long against the bounty hunter. Omega makes her way to the top of a maintenance tower. Hunter races to get her, but Fennec finds the girl first and saves Omega from a from a potentially fatal fall. And this was cool because, like, obviously Fennec is the adversary here, but you're showing that she also has a moral code. Like, and part of it is that she's wanting to bring this target in, but she's also just like not going to let an innocent kid die. Um, and we kind of see that in the Mandalorian too. Like she's a bad guy in season one and in season two, like she and Boba are working with Mando and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, got, I, I, yeah. I'll she's, she's
1: a, she's a classic star Wars bounty hunter, right? She's yeah. only a bad guy. If you're a contract. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Otherwise, otherwise it's up for grabs. And I mean like, like some of the, some of the best characters in star Wars fall into this category. Boba is obviously one of them. Uh, Hondo is another one that like, when we first meet him, he is a straight up bad guy. And, and the next time that we see him, he's got a tank and is trying to blow up the Jedi uh, and his town, right? Like he's, he's, uh, he, he's, he's quite nefarious. And then in, and even like sort of as a, as the turn starts with the character uh, in the youngling arc, he's still, he's still an antagonist in that story, but, within that arc makes the turn to hero (laughs) and ends it with like, this was my plan all along. I, and then we get the, one of my favorite lines in all of star Wars, uh, in in rebels when he learns that Ezra is a Jedi and he's like, one of my best friends was a Jedi. At least I think we were friends. (laughs) (laughs) That is a cute Um, line. And he's talking about Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, Everything always, every, it all, it all goes back to Obi-Wan for me. Um, but uh, yeah, like, like the, those, the, these, these are fun characters to play with because they can play both roles. Uh, I, Cause I mean, Hondo in star Wars rebels is actually nothing but a good guy. Like, like he, he definitely screws them over a couple of times, but he's never like a full on antagonist in rebels. Um, and then by the time that we get to the Resistance era, he's actually just he's actually just helping uh, uh, Chewbacca. So uh, on on uh, on Batuu. So I uh, yeah, uh, it, it, Fennec is is similarly. You know, some sometimes she's going to be a good guy and sometimes she's going to be a bad guy. And and I actually think that there's room within Bad Batch for us to see both sides of her. So I uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, Again, we get to play with it. We get to play with the gray area of does she need to bring Omega in alive or is she actually a good person and do, and and won't let a child just die for fun? <laughs> right. Like yeah. she won't be responsible for this child's death um, because she because she actually does have a moral code. Right. Um, but yeah. And uh, I mean,
2: I think it's a bit of both, at least as of right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so, too. Uh,
1: Cool. Let's just note here, both Hunter and Wrecker getting knocked out by Fennec. Um, Is it making Fennec more of a badass in our eyes, or is it making the Bad Batch easier to take out? Or is it doing both?
0: It it did kind of... I get why they did it, but I remember I was sitting with Tina and I I remember her squaring up with Wrecker and I was like, please just don't make this easy. Like, please don't just immediately knock Wrecker out. And that's exactly what happened. And I was like, you know, come on. These are supposed to be like the best of the best clone troopers. And I'm not saying, you know, the villain shouldn't be a challenge. I'm not saying he should have won. I just wanted him to give her a run for her money and just nothing.
2: but i mean wrecker especially is all brute strength and size and force and he's good with weapons and demolitions and blowing stuff up and so i'm fine with him getting you know sort of outmatched by a a smaller but like more agile and athletic opponent that's gonna you know just sort of use that against him um and also i mean fennec in the mandalorian does have a pretty big reputation um Mm. you know when uh you know like the that newbie kid bounty hunter in that one episode in uh season one is like the only one that's dumb enough to go after her because mando's like oh you obviously don't know who she is because she's like this elite mercenary that's uh, killed for all the top hut clans. excuse me
1: so. excuse me his name is toro calican he's, that's right, yeah. respectful. <laughs> um i know everybody hates it, that character but i have no problem with him i thought he was idol Disney, really version either, of dash I mean, rendar mean,
2: Exactly. Yeah, I, I actually I really enjoyed that episode the first time I watched it. And I remember it getting a bunch of negative flack. And it was I was like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, I thought that was perfectly fine. It's now like one of my least favorite episodes to go back and rewatch. It's like, you know, doesn't doesn't have a lot of replay value for me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the best, but I didn't have a huge problem with it or anything. But um yeah, so that's that's established in that episode, though, that, you know, she definitely has a nefarious reputation. And so this didn't necessarily, like, enhance that or like they were even trying to make her even more deadly. But I felt like she just lived up to it. And obviously, when it's the first episode that you're introducing a character like this, like you want them to make an impression and feel like a formidable threat. So it didn't bother me,
1: yeah, especially because
2: I mean, I... Hunter then one ups her, you know, he he obviously gets the, uh, the upper hand on her in their Later, fight that we're about to get to. So,
0: yeah, I like again, like, I like, I understand she is, you know, she's a badass and she's really strong and everything. I just, I really just want to be surprised by Wrecker, honestly. Yeah. Like, he's he is just dumb and strong, and I want to see him surprise me and I want to see him outsmart someone because they they know he's the dumb guy and they're going to underestimate him. Um, even if he doesn't come out on top, I just want to be surprised by him. Because I feel like so far I just haven't been. He's just kind of, okay, yeah, He he's the dumb guy and he's really strong. And I feel like the only time I've been surprised with him is his relationship with Omega, which is awesome. And I love it. Every time those two characters are interacting, I'm happy. Because it's always going to be heartwarming and wholesome. Um, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I was really... Hunter not so much I wasn't disappointed but Wrecker, I was really just I don't know what it is I was just really pulling for him to at least hold his own and it was just an immediate KO and I was just like all right Disney <laughs> whatever I don't know I was just I was just kind of kind of bummed out by that but yeah it's, early. it's it's early it, on
1: it's a, it's a roughly 22 minute episode right yeah. like we're even even though we're on Disney Plus we're still trying to fit to the half hour format So there is definitely the, like, you know, we got, sometimes we just got to keep going. We just got to keep moving. And, and I think that that's, this is one of those instances where it's like the fight between Hunter and Fennec was pretty good. So yeah, for sure. We don't, and then, and we got it. Like Kyle said, we've got a, we've got a sequence coming up, right? It's like, we just don't have time in this episode for, for, for uh, Wrecker and, and Fennec to have a big, a big throwdown. It also, I uh, uh, knowing that Fennec is coming back at some point, or I mean, not knowing, but, but heavily suspecting that she'll be back at some point. It sets us up for a rematch. Um, I'm, where I'm
0: just really hoping that Wrecker isn't always the person to fall victim to the, well, we got to move the story along. So whatever. Yeah. You, you know, what I, I mean? think,
1: I think, I think hopefully we'll, we'll see an evolution with that character right, cool. where he'll, he'll get a little bit more clever. So, I like. I would love to see that in the next time that they square off. Is like like that he's like oh, I I underestimated you last time and I'm not gonna say make the same mistake sort of thing right like for him to be like oh no you're not you're you're, you're slippery I'm not gonna let you get the jump on me and to to be a little bit smarter about it um, because I think that one of one of Wrecker's key character traits is overconfidence. Um, and it's important for him because it, it, it's one of the things that allows him to do very stupid things like grab uh, 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 the side of a gunship and use it as a shield uh, so that the team can advance. Right. Like like it's a it's an important part of his character. But um, but yeah, I, I there's there's room for him to grow there again. And like, I, I do think that with a lot of these characters right now, we are seeing their their earliest version and where we end this series is going to, they're all going to be in very different places. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'll continue here. Uh, riding a speeder bike Hunter nears the tower, but Fennec drops Omega and herself onto a passing shuttle. When the two warriors exchange fire, Omega takes the controls and raises the cargo bay. Large items fall out of the hold, knocking the bounty hunter
2: off the craft. While the pilot is vibing up. the whole time, yeah, yeah, he's just listening to his
1: music, and uh, uh, and and bystanders on the ground are just being crushed by large packages. Um, <laughs> so there's there's an off screen death toll in this episode that uh, <laughs> that nobody wants to talk about. It's so all this, kinds
0: uh, of fun. <laughs> was this a commentary on Amazon and how it just doesn't care about the people below <laughs> them, and just I don't
1: know. exactly, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> you nailed it. Perfect. Uh, action sequence. Not a lot to say. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. You want to keep going? Uh, yeah, sure.
0: Uh, where are we? Uh, unable to maintain, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Unable to maintain her balance, Omega slides backward and dangles from the back of the hauler. Hunter finally closes in, but so does Fennec and local police. Though Fennec initially holds off Hunter and law enforcement, the Bad Batch leader returns. He blasts her ship's thrusters and leaves a parting gift, an explosive charge. Hunter escapes with Omega, and the blaster sends Fennec tumbling to the streets below. She watches silently as they get away. That was that was brutal too. Like just she just shot the police officer and oh, he yeah. crashes into the yeah. other. Like,
1: wow, <laughs> that was intense. Yeah, it was it was very violent. <laughs> it was yeah, like okay. in an episode that's like, oh, this is pretty standard Clone Wars fair, all of a sudden it was just like blam, that guy, yeah. that guy's dead. Not <laughs> not, oh, that guy got shot. No, that guy instantly died and then smashed hour. into another guy, and that guy also is dead. Or at least horribly, horribly named.
2: You know, Uh, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the last episode, but I talked about this also on The Saga Continues last week. Just as far as, like, the tone of this show kind of varying wildly between, like, even more dark and intense than Clone Wars and also some of, like, the most lighthearted, like, child-friendly kind of stuff that we've seen so far from, you know, from some of these shows, especially last week where you had, like, the scene with, like, uh, crosshairs group like straight up executing civilians point blank Mm -hmm. and then cutting right to like omega learning a lesson about being non-violent and saving the life of the creature and and all that kind of stuff um and i was like man i feel like you know if i were a parent and had like a six-year-old kid i'd like let them watch it with me but then have to like shield their face half the time (laughs) um but then, yeah, same thing here. I mean, this was a pretty. And I mean, this this one was a little more like intense and action packed and had the whole chase going and everything. But for the most part, it was just a, a kind of like lighthearted, fun, like adventure of the week kind of thing. And then right here at the end, it's like, yeah, you got Fennec shooting people, you know, straight through the chest and all kinds of chaos and mayhem <laughs> on the streets. And like you said, Mike, maybe some civilian casualties that we don't see off screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of mayhem and stuff that that's happening around these characters this week. Um, No, I agree
0: though. There is like a tone change that's just like kind of all over the place. And it really is every episode, right? Like it's not just you know, this one or the last I feel like it is in every episode. It just goes at least it's
1: consistent. At least it's right. consistent. <laughs> you know like, it's a roller coaster consi- when you, it's consistently yeah.
2: inconsistent.
1: Here's a sweet <laughs> moment with this, with this buggles creature. And then, uh, and then a few minutes later, uh, here's a Pantoran, uh, 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 uh traffic cop being brutally murdered and uh killing his partner
2: yeah yeah like (laughs) it's it's funny because going into this i expected this to be you know like the the visual style of clone wars and maybe some of the same kind of action and stuff but as far as like tone and like maturity level i kind of expected it to be along the lines of like rebels but instead it's like no we're gonna veer between like resistance and like the mandalore arc from season five of clone wars
1: yeah Yeah, it's been there. There's been a lot of intense stuff thus far that kind of I like it. I like when it catches us by surprise. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It just keeps me on my toes. I never quite know what
2: to expect from the show. Um, Why why don't you go ahead and close this one out? All right. um, With repairs on the Marauder complete, the team makes a quick departure. Once away, Hunter says that they must figure out who the bounty hunter was and who hired her. The target, however, wasn't Clone Force 99. It was Omega. On Pantora, the docking bay proprietor pleads with Shand. She spares him before sending a message to a contact. The target got away, she says, but I'll find her.
1: So are we all in agreement that she's talking to the Kaminoans and not the Empire?
2: I feel like it's gotta be, right? Probably, but also, well, yeah, I guess... I guess so, because um, obviously the Empire's got crosshair and they've got plenty of other troops and stuff. And I was thinking that it might be some other mysterious character that we don't know about yet. But I guess the Kamen Owens would be the only other people that really know about Omega, um, unless, like we said, and mean, this is kind of far out there and is kind of going off of stuff that we don't really know yet. But if if this is somehow tied into like Palpatine trying to clone himself and and you know maybe she's working not directly for Palpatine, but maybe like Masa or something like, you know, maybe she's going up the chain to Palpatine who wants her brought in. Um, but I don't know, I, w- I would say Kamen Owens is probably most likely. Like I said, my first thought was that it was just maybe somebody new and mysterious that we haven't met yet. But um, we don't know why that whoever that person would be like, why they'd be interested in Omega or how they would know who that is. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, Camin Owens probably the most logical choice at this point.
0: Yeah. Mike, sure. I'm a bit upset that uh in this summary, now that Kyle is reading the paragraph of where the bad batch blasts off, that it doesn't oh. say the bad batch blasts
1: off. Uh, I well,
0: thought that was we, our signature phrase, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to you know what? Next time next time <laughs> I'm going to get this done early. I, I'll right, do it cool. I'll do it first thing on Monday and then I'll send it over to you for yeah, for a review and you can make sure <laughs> that every week Right, a bad sweet. batch blasts off again right. is, <laughs> is in there. And also, and also let's put it on a t-shirt. All right. I'm in. Let's do it. I Should we just go all the way and just like, looks it looks like bad batch is blasting off again. Yes. Obviously okay. we lean into this as hard okay. as we can. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds great to me. Uh, I yeah. uh, There we go. Our first piece of merch that I have promised and will probably never get done. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, like, it, th- this, ha- this isn't one of my favorite episodes thus far. I really like that, that Fennec was brought in. Um, but it did feel a little bit like, uh, like don't a step like- on, on the, on the road. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, okay. like, I, I, yeah, like, like, like every story so far has progressed the plot for sure. Mm. Um, but you know what it is, maybe it's that that the crosshair stuff last week was really intense and, and sort of the main driver of the actual plot of that episode. Um, I, and then this week it's like completely dropped, right? Like we know we don't mm. see crosshair at all. So maybe that's kind of what I'm vibing on is that like, oh, we just kind of stick with Bad Batch the whole time. Whereas I'd like to know what's going on on Camino uh, and mm-hmm. and with with Crosshair, but uh, but at the same time, it's like it was a good. It was I loved the episode. I had a fantastic time watching it. Um, which like every week, like hey, here's something that we haven't talked about for this one. Visually speaking, this is one of the best looking episodes of television that Lucasfilm Animation has done.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It was staggering at times how much activity there was in the frame, how many characters there were, uh, how varied they were. The fact that like, I was really impressed that not everybody on Pantora was a Pantoran in that market Hmm. that like, that it was a star Wars environment. And there were a myriad of species and character types and, and all of that sort of thing. And it was just like it, like, this is, to me, the first time that the animated stuff has actually lived up fully to the promise of Star Wars. Um, it actually reminded me a lot of the the planet at the beginning of Rogue One, that uh, uh, that yeah. that Cassian is on, like like with those back alleys and stuff, like sort of like just how like crowded and busy those environments were. Like it just, it, it, it had all of the like local charm sort of thing of like a Mos Eisley or Lothal, but it had like the density of the prequels. Um, and, and it just beyond that, the, the, the depth of field that they used in it was, was really effective. Like the actual cinematography of it was really, really effective for telling the story. It felt even though we're kind of like in these, in these wide open environments, a lot of the time it felt very claustrophobic and like you were being followed the whole time. And, and it just like, there were very intentional choices the whole way in the terms of, of the way that the visual storytelling moved it forward. And uh, it's like, like they, they've been knocking it out of the park with this series. Um, and really like, it, it's funny cause it's, it's like, it's a lot like in video games, how we we went from like, oh, you know, just figuring out how to maneuver characters in a three d space and then adding voice acting in, even though the voice acting wasn't great and the stories weren't great. But then like eventually getting to the point where like, oh, we've got like this technology and we can tell good stories with it, getting it to the point where you know, like you can start to do that, starting to write better stories. And then the tech, catching up to performance capture and then like, and now we're at the point where like a modern video game can be like the last of us where it's like, it's, it's as good as any movie that you see. Right. Um, and I feel like, like, especially going back to the clone wars assets where they have so much to pull from. And obviously like I've been saying, bringing in resistance models, bringing in star Wars rebels, character models and just updating them for the clone Wars style. Um, like basically just reskinning them, doing new textures on them. Uh, they have the ability to move so quickly to 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 populate these environments that instead of worrying about creating assets, they can actually focus more of the technical team's time on on the on the actual storytelling part of it. And it, to me, it's like it's been very very noticeable with Bad Batch over over Clone Wars, Rebels, or Resistance that like. The camera moves are intentional. The depth of field is intentional. The, the color timing is intentional. Like like things that we don't generally think about with animation. That, that the majority of animated stuff, even top tier, high quality computer animated stuff. Like a really great example is is Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which DreamWorks is spending a lot of money on that show. They've got a lot of really nice character models in it. The animation is very like janky and staccato, and the 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 cinematography is like we put a camera there like like there's no intentionality to it it's it's not thoughtful, it's not. Like they're just kind of doing very simple cartoon kids stuff of like, there's a they, Jurassic park cartoon. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Dude. They on they Netflix. Just released it's the third season of it on Netflix. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. It's fantastic. It's a really, really good show. So, and wow. that's why I call it out is that like, it's like, like we're talking about like top tier, high quality, big budget animated. It's Netflix and DreamWorks doing a Jurassic world TV series, right? Like anime. It's for right. kids. It's definitely aimed more at kids, um, uh, at like a, 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 a sort of your 8 to 13 audience. But I mean, like, honestly, that's what Star Wars is supposed to be for as well. But a lot of this team has been working on this stuff for so long, and they're so good at what they do. that And like, I, I point back to Joel Aaron, who I. Uh, when he talks about this stuff, if you ever get the opportunity to star Wars celebration, to go to one of his panels, they're usually off the beaten path. Um, they are always the best panels at star Wars celebration for me. When you go and you like, see him talk about the, the, the technical components and the cinematography of, of, of creating these shows. there's just so much artistry that goes into it. They, you take for granted and that's the point. You're not supposed to pay attention to it. And it's like, like me being a film school student, it's like, I go out of my way to pay attention to it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's part of the experience for me, but I think for most, um, for most viewers, it is intended to be seen and not heard in a way, right? Like you just, you're not supposed to notice when the cinematography is great. You're just supposed to be in the story. Um, And and that is the case with a lot of what they've been doing this season with Bad Batch. I just think that they've, they've cranked it up even more so than they did on the final season of Clone Wars. I, I just think like this episode was just so, so technically proficient. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about it in that way um, online. They're just talking about how they're enjoying the show, which to me is like, is proof of how well they're doing it because it's actually like it's academic. It's not, this isn't a subjective thing. Like, like they're, they're doing this stuff in a very, in, in, in a very sound good way. Um, So the fact that people aren't talking about it, isn't people like n- not being as smart as me or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. People are just enjoying the show for what it is. Um, I, And I, I yeah, like, I, but I'm just, I am just in awe of of the the quality jump from the last few things that have been done I uh, and i mean like like rebels was fantastic resistance again was a really really well animated show and like i'll i will fight people online who want to say that resistance wasn't wasn't well animated i mean like the the action sequences and resistance hold up against anything that the clone wars did they were just very few and far between uh but but when they did them they were really really good I uh, but this is just like i mean just the number of speeders that were in the air during that action sequence like i think i like i do think that everybody kind of takes for granted how much work that is um in order to pull it off but uh but they did, and it's like it, it was perfectly Star Wars, and so well done. Um, end rant. I'm done. That's that's everything i just said <laughs> No, man, I'm, I'm I agree. I can't add anything to it, honestly. And, and, no, because I because I talked for ten minutes straight or something. But <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing left to add. Um, let's. Uh, you guys want to jump into the mailbag?
2: Yeah, let's, let's do to, it. Cool. <laughs> Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency fulcrum incoming transmission from the rebel cells fulcrum mailbag
1: alrighty I uh, I look it was a it, in Canada it was a long weekend I know you guys in the states it's your long weekend is coming up but but for us it was the long weekend this past one and uh it was also my birthday weekend so I completely forgot to post on social media about this episode. It just, I just totally spaced on it, but I, but uh, our our good friend, uh, Marty Ailman, he, he was good enough to, to write in and, uh, and give us some thoughts on the episode. So, uh, so here's what he had to say. Uh, Okay. I liked this episode a lot, but I think my daughter loved it even more. She has seen it three times already. And now Fennec Shand is her new favorite. This is officially her Star Wars. Uh, overall, I loved seeing the continued occupation of the galaxy with Pantora being at the center of this story. Uh, Liberty dying with thunderous applause. Indeed. So far, this is my favorite first season of a Lucasfilm animated show yet. Uh, also, how many more times is record going to get hit in the head before the chip gets triggered? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Marty is spot on. Um, yeah, we we talked about it a little bit. That whole aspect of like everybody cheering for the chain codes and handing in their Republic credits um, for Imperial credits—it's it is it is one of those things. But like like it's it's a little bit on the nose, and I think it's a little bit heightened. But it's Star Wars. It's always been that way. Like it's meant mm-hmm. to be. But but the allegory here is looking at like post nine eleven America. And Canada got caught in this as well of like just handing over freedoms uh, in the interest of security and safety that really like didn't change anything. Right. Like does taking off your shoes at the airport really make you feel any safer? Like I I don't like and 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 is it like is it actually doing anything (laughs) right? I you know like it's sort of that that i think it's i think it's very similar to that kind of argument of of like people are just are just willing to hand over their freedoms um willingly when they're being sold like a false bill of goods and we know the empire is is being run by the sith but the average person doesn't the war is over right i i omega says it it's like but the war ended isn't that a good thing And uh, who is, I think it's, 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 uh, it's Echo who says it depends on what side you're on, Uh, which I thought was a really cool, a really cool moment. And any thoughts on that?
0: Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I got nothing to add. I am used to
2: Well, I, I did think that, I mean, I'm trying to remember back because I only watched this episode once, but I think that thought did cross my mind too when, you know, they're walking down the streets and everybody's cheering. And I thought of Padme's line too. So it was a nice callback. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Once again, we have no idea what the next episode is titled. Uh, We don't know what it's about. Maybe it's the one with the Ocean in it. That's what I'm going to say every week until... That until we see the one with the, or, or maybe it's the Zygerian slaves, slavers, right? Like those are the, those are the two things that we know. It was last week. It was three things. It was the, the Trandoshan, the Zygerian slavers and Fennec Shand, but we saw the Fennec Shand. Well, we know
2: they're going to be with Captain Rex too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. There's Rex as well, but we don't know which which of those other storylines might intersect Mm -hmm. with Rex or, All of them. I don't know. They might. We might get all three in the next episode. Everything Uh, next week. I'm quoting you, Mike. Yeah. It'd be pretty funny if, like, everything else that we know from from this season is just all in the next episode, and the (laughs) following week we just know nothing. We just have no idea. Um, I'd be okay with it. Yep, it's fine by me. I don't mind. I like being surprised. I I. But that's it. That's it for this week. Thank you, guys. Hey, look we're under two hours this week. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to get to bed before 2 AM. I don't believe it. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. I uh, thank you guys for joining me, of course. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk whatever the next episode of bad batches. <laughs> uh, we don't know what the episode is, but you can, you can rest assured that we'll be here to talk about it for about an hour of a two hour episode. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right uh thanks see you guys next week Bye. Everybody. Bye. follow rebel cells on twitter and instagram at rebel cells and on facebook at rebel cells podcast you can support the podcast in three ways first by going to the podcast service of your choice leaving a rating and review to help others find the show second by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.